0: as promised here's the continuation of the discussion from last week yeah and go and go out in the community and uh, you know make connections and build relationships because it all comes back to making disciples but it, you know again it's just a body that's going out really one of the biggest things
1: that i think of in that idea is just not hoarding not hoarding people not hoarding money anything that we do have is open to use for the kingdom right that i don't know if someone in our church has a talent that another church needs for something then awesome like it's not about competition it's about the kingdom and um yeah just being there for each other and figuring out more what we can do outside of what we've called the church, outside of the actual structure of the church for people other than trying to just get people into the doors.
0: Right. But there again, I don't, I don't want to jump back into the whole attractional thing, <laughs> but that, that does create that competition <clears throat> mindset. Yes. Because you're competing to attract people from their church or other churches or unchurched or whatever. Yes. I think when, when you truly shift to a missional mindset, you realize that it's not about the other church down the road. Like we're yeah. all, you know, it's about the kingdom. Yeah. And it's a kingdom mindset that we're all, you know, we're all working for the Lord and, and it's all about expanding the kingdom. And if that means us helping this church down the road or them helping us or, you know, us sharing our building or, you know, whatever, you, you do whatever you got to do to expand the kingdom. Or
1: not having that anger, jealousy, envy if someone from our church says they feel called to attend this other church to do something there, then, I mean, awesome, cool, right. go do what you're called to do. Like, Just viewing it as the kingdom and not as competition and not as us versus them or let's see who can do more in the community so we can pack out our place. And you see, and I've definitely been guilty of doing this, but churches that do things for the community just to get people back inside their church. Like we went out all day last week and we gave out food in um, a poor part of a town and we expected to see more people this week at church, and they're not here, and now we're sad. If that was the reason for doing the thing that we did, then it kind of makes that thing not good. Right. To have an agenda to do kingdom work, I think, is problematic.
0: Yeah. I mean, if you if you really think about it, it's, it's that missional mindset, that kingdom mindset. I think that's, that's the true picture of what the church is called to be. Yeah. And— if you really read the New Testament and you really pay attention, I think that is clearly the Father's heart and what is communicated over and over and over and over. Uh, like you talked earlier about Jesus having compassion. You know, you, you read—I made a couple of references of my notes here—but Luke, Luke nineteen ten says he came to seek and save the lost. Yeah. You know, it wasn't—he didn't sit and wait on us to come to him because we never got there. Yeah, right. It was about him coming to us. Uh, John 3, 16, you know, the Bible says that the Father, again, was showing his heart, gave us his only son. Uh, Acts, you could really, the whole book of Acts, but specifically, you know, you look at Pentecost. Like, right? they were they were in the upper room, and, you know, the Holy Spirit's poured out. Well, they didn't stay in the upper room. Yeah. Like, they didn't say, hey, you guys come see us, come check us out. You yeah. know, it wasn't about attracting people to the upper room. It was about the people in the upper room floating to the streets. Yeah. And, and outpouring, you know, and I think that's what, the world so desperately needs today i completely agree and it's easy to see from doing
1: a a touring traveling outreach um, in some way since like 2012 um, it's easy to go to places and like see god doing something cool in these places and for me i always wanted to stay there like any time that i would go somewhere and be like, oh, God is doing something really cool in this community of people, I would always pray the prayer, God, is it your will for me to move here? And in my mind, I would always try to convince myself that he was saying, yeah, yeah, you should. And But the actual answer that I was getting was, no, keep doing what they're doing where you're from. Like, What, what he's doing isn't confined to a certain place. It's not... Well, if we can just get everybody to come to this town, then God will finally do what God wants to do through all Christians. But it's it's more so take the community that you felt was created in that place and go back home and recreate that and then teach others to when they go out from your community to recreate that somewhere else. And that's what the kingdom is, is not trying to hoard everybody up in this little space, but sending true believers, true kingdom-minded Christians out to recreate, and I think that's one of the big differences of the attractional model of the church to what we try here is the attractional model will try to keep people in the church, but I would say this kind of church is almost too easy to try to send people out because we see God doing something cool, and we're like, all right, now take it with you and go. Go do that somewhere else. and. It's not a way to get a big church. <laughs> it's not going to work to get a big church when you keep telling people to take what God has called them to do and go do it. Because most of the time that means they go somewhere else. Right. And, um, yeah, it's very humbling and takes um, takes you swallowing your pride to not try to keep the people inside of your church.
0: Right. Something kind of my mind when you, when you were talking there, I had a professional Bible college tell me one time, and I'm not sure how I feel about this, but I'll throw it out there. <laughs> <laughs> he told me, uh, I was talking to him one time, and I, I don't even, honestly I don't remember what, what brought the whole subject up, but I remember him telling me, he's actually gone to be with the Lord now, but he told me, seeing God's hand work somewhere is not an invitation for you to go join him. Yep. And I thought, there was a lot of wisdom in that statement. Yeah.
1: Yeah, because it doesn't always mean that it's not an invitation to go join, but... I know for myself personally, doing so would just be me taking the easy way, right. being like, I see what I know I'm called to create at home. Someone has already created here. So if I just go there, then it takes the work off of me of doing what I know I'm supposed to do yeah. when I should see what they're doing as an encouragement of it's possible. God is doing it here for them, so God will do it where I am too. I just have to be obedient, right? and that's the way I should take it. One of the things I think about a lot when it comes to this topic is before the church I'm at now, I was at a different church in the area, and uh, it's a really good church full of great people. And um, the pastor of that church came up to me, Uh, One week and asked me to go out for coffee and we went out for coffee and when we were sitting there, he told me I can tell by the calling God has on your life that you're not going to be at our church for long What can I do to pour into you while you're here? And I was in shock because I had never heard a pastor talk like that What I was expecting him to do was after I can tell by the calling God has on your life to go into different things to keep me at his church. Like, would you like to do more with the high school ministry? Would you like to do more with the praise team? Whatever the question is, but to try to encourage me to stay. But what he did was, for me, one of the first times I'd really seen a pastor operate in that true kingdom mindset of, it's not competition. It's I can tell that this person isn't going to be here for too long, and I want to use the time that I am his pastor to really pour into him the way he needs to be poured into and not poured into with an agenda of trying to keep him in this church, but pouring into him knowing that God is calling him out. Right. And I thought that was incredible, and I had never yes. really seen that before. And uh, I definitely think about that a lot, and as I said before, I think it's very humbling to have to do that.
0: Yeah. And it's it's hard to to even when you know a kingdom viewpoint is best, and that's where you have to live. And in all honesty, it's very hard to walk in that all the time. Yeah, it's hard to to let people go. You know, it's hard to to look at everything that's happening from a kingdom mindset and realize that you know. You've got to take the people as God God has given you and the resources God has given you and you get it's got to walk in obedience and you you have to look at every one of them not as a quote member of your church yeah. but just as you know just another co-worker in the kingdom for sure and and you know try to figure out like how like 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 you said for the other pastor like how can I best serve them and equip them to go do what God's calling them to do. Yeah, and it also creates
1: some kind of urgency as well because, like, for our kind of church, when someone comes in, we instantly know that our goal isn't to have them here until they die. Like, our goal isn't for them to join our church and then just stay here forever. The goal is for us to equip them to do what it is they're called to do. And that might mean that they stay at our church for six months. That might mean they stay at our church for 10 years. Um, maybe it'll mean one day they're pastoring the church. We don't know. But it means that we have to actually be very, I guess, cautious with how we use the time that we have with the people that we have because we do want to train and equip them, and we don't want to hinder them from doing what they're called to to do, and I think it does take a lot to take out that agenda of not so much of what can I do to get people to stay, of more what can I do to get people to realize what they were created for, even if that means they don't stay.
0: Right. Goes back to the, you know, I've always heard, you know, some people are in your life for you know, they're in your life for different seasons, you yep. know, for for in. You know, if you're in tune with the Spirit, I think, you know, you know that. And just in a, you know, usually a couple minutes of conversation with somebody, at least it has been for me, and and I know, you know, like this person's here. Yeah. You know, this is a long-term person that, you know, God wants me to pour into or, you know, maybe two or three conversations down the line, I know that there's like a specific issue that maybe I've, you know, the Lord's given me victory over and I need to help them walk out of. Yeah. You know, I don't know, but I just think we 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 need to approach Church from that mindset of, you know, a kingdom viewpoint of, you know, what can I do for every person that God has placed in my life? And just quit worrying about competing with the church down the road. Yeah. Neil Cole in the, his book, Church 3.0, he had a great analogy that I loved talking about these church models, um, as far as like the attractional and the missional specifically. And he says the analogy is basically uh, one, one represents. One is represented by a lake and one is represented by a river. And I just love that picture because the attractional is, is represented by a lake, you know, because the lake is dependent on streams that continually feed it to keep it at the level it should yeah. be at. Whereas a river is not dependent on anything. It flows its own course. You know, it may go straight here and take a right here and a left here and right here. You know, it it completely plots its own course, yep. but is not dependent on anything else to sustain it. You know, it, it flows where, it's, where it flows, and yeah. I just I just love that picture, and I think that's a beautiful picture of what the church is called to be. It's not the stagnant lake with algae on top of the water, but, yep. <laughs> you know, that's drying up and diminishing because the rivers have been cut off, because that's sort of the picture that a lot of people have of the church in, in our culture, I think. But the, the truth is, the church is is the mighty river, like yeah. that, that's flowing oh, yeah. and, and bringing new life and sustenance and nutrients to parched land. You know, yeah. that's what I see. Yeah,
1: hundred percent. And I mean, I guess I would just challenge anyone that is hearing this and the mindset of tradition is wanting to find something to argue with or find something to not agree with. Because I know I do that all the time, whenever something makes me uncomfortable or whatever it is, you want to find reasons for it to not be true. And other than Jesus telling them to wait in the upper room until the Holy Spirit came upon them, is there a time in scripture that we can use to say that we're called to just stay in one place and just wait on people to come to us? I'd, don't think so. I don't think that's something that we're taught in Scripture. I
0: don't think so either.
1: And, um, yeah, as we've talked about, I mean, our job in the kingdom is to encourage and equip other people to do what they're called to do. And we will see change from that, but we're not going to see a big change in our community just from planting a church and just waiting on people to come to it. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Church Reconstructed Podcast.